want to just say another word of good morning to you and say thank you so much for uh, worshiping with us this morning. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. If I haven't had a chance yet to meet you, just know that I'd love an opportunity to do so. And I'm going to invite you uh, to uh, come down front at the end of our service and uh, end of our gathering this morning so that um, I might have an opportunity to say hello to you and uh, to meet you personally. Um, I am thankful to uh, Caleb, our student minister, who a couple weeks opened up the word for us and uh, Pastor Kyle last uh, weekend. Um, and, uh, but I am uh, grateful uh, for the opportunity to be able to open God's word with you and preach again this morning. We are going to return uh, to our uh, series in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and we are nearing the end of that. We only have three more weeks, two more after this. So this is the, the third to last, if that's even a, a phrase, uh, of our uh, series in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, that's bad news for many of you because you're thinking, wow, I, I uh, missed out on so much. Yes, you missed out on 30 sermons previously working our way through Matthew chapter 5 uh, through 7. Um, but I want to encourage you that there is yet hope uh, because we have a podcast um, and uh, you can go anywhere you get a podcast. Just look up City Church Melissa and you can um, listen to those previous messages. And so you can just spend your summer um, all summer long, just sort of take two a week and you can catch up. By the end of this, we'll all be on the same page. Um, but we are uh, coming back to this text and we're going to pick up in verse uh, 15 as we return to this Sermon on the Mount and pick up, I really want to pick up, though, a little bit where we left off three weeks ago, which is verses 13 and 14, where Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Jesus has, uh, in chapter 7, he's been taking all that he has taught us in 5 and 6, and as any good preacher would do, he is now helping us apply this to our lives. What does it mean that Jesus has come and has established his new, his new kingdom and he has invited us and welcomed us into that uh, kingdom as citizens of this new kingdom and has described all that life looks like for the citizen of the kingdom of God and how we are to live and follow all those sorts of things. And now at the end, he is saying, this is what it means. This is what it looks like. This is how you live. And he warns here in verses 13 and 14 that there is a path, there is a way. And there, this way, in a sense, there's two ways that are offered in the world. And the one way is the wide path, which says that there is no other path, that you can do whatever you would want. And the wide path leads to destruction. Or, conversely, his way, all that he has taught us in chapter 6 and 7, is life on the narrow path. And following that path is the way that leads to life. And so if we are a people, if we have been transformed by that gospel message, the hope of Christ, that without Christ we were without hope in the world, but through Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross for, on our behalf, we have been welcomed as citizens of his new kingdom. If that is true of us, that there's a way of life that we live, and that life Jesus is calling us to is life on this narrow path. But the last three sermons that we're going to look at, these last three sections of chapter 7, Jesus warns, in a sense, he is going to give us three warnings. He's teaching us that there is a life, there is a path that we are to follow that leads to everlasting life and leads to hope in him. But there are things that stand in the way. There are things that would lead us astray. There are things that we need to be aware of in life. And like any good leader, any good shepherd, 
He is warning the people that he cares about, that he loves, to be aware, to be on guard. I love the illustration. We talked about it this week um, in our staff meeting here at City Church, the illustration of the Sherpa. And the Sherpa has gone up the mountain many, many times before. He knows all of the pitfalls. He knows all of the things that would come against the people and cause harm, potentially cause the climbers to lose their life. And as the good Sherpa, what they do is they warn and they say, watch out for this crevice. Watch out, there's a hole over here. Watch out, you need to acclimate to the new altitude. All of the things, I've never climbed Everest, but I'm just reinterpreting what I watch on movies. But these things, they tell us and they warn and they guide. And so that's what the Sherpa does. And Jesus, in a sense, the ultimate shepherd, the chief shepherd, the chief Sherpa, he is saying to his people who he's been teaching through this sermon Let me warn you, let me just give you some caution, things to look out for, places where you could be harmed because Jesus doesn't want us to be harmed because ultimately he loves us. And so he says there is this narrow gate, the narrow path, and we know from the Gospel of John that the narrow path is Jesus himself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the gate he described to his disciples Enter through him alone. And so as we do that, we look now to verse 15 and Jesus gives this warning and he says, beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets, those who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. See, Jesus knows that as he's described these two gates, the narrow and the wide, there are those that stand outside the gate and want to tempt us and lead us away from entering in the narrow gate, from following Jesus, from living as citizens of his kingdom. And what they do, the first problem that he deals with is the problem of the false prophet or the false teacher. And how does he describe this false teacher? He says that they come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. The first trouble is this false teacher. And the challenge that we have as we look at false teachers or consider this text is that they come and they look like other sheep. They look like a good shepherd. They look like someone who would be helping us. And yet, Jesus says, no, they inwardly are ravenous wolves. I've got to confess to you, every time I read that text, I think of the big bad wolf dressed up as grandmother from the cartoons when I was a kid. I don't know if you guys see that, but the long snout, anyway... That was a waste of your time. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus is saying, as I have called you to walk this narrow path, to live life on this narrow path, there are those, there's going to be someone standing outside the gate saying, no, you don't need to enter here. Go this direction. And taking us away from the narrow path of following Jesus. And he's also t- warning us how quickly and easily we will forget. Notice he says in 15, beware. This is not a light language. He's not saying, hey, dude, you just might want to consider thinking about this. I just kind of thought maybe you should look at it a little bit. No, he's saying, beware. This is something serious. And this is the amazing thing to me. When we think about Jesus, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. 
He knows every temptation that we will face. He knows everything that would come and get in the way of us following him, of us entering through the narrow gate, of us living lives, walking the narrow path. Jesus is keenly aware before you and I are ever aware of this challenge. He knows exactly what will tempt us and get in the way. And as a good teacher, as that good Sherpa, he is wanting, he's warning us, beware of this, be attentive. And how often... So often in life, I think we think of our faith and we walk with our walk with Christ and we don't think maybe this is something we should take seriously, that we should consider it. He knows, he's taught the greatest sermon that has ever been preached, five and six in the first part of seven. And as he closed that sermon and now he is helping us apply it to our lives, he knows how fickle our hearts are. He knows how easily distracted we are. He knows how quickly we can be tempted to follow what we want, our own desires, the desires of our flesh, over following him. And so he gives us this warning of the false teacher, the false prophet. Now here's what we can know about these false prophets. There's a lot of language or sometimes talk of false prophets being thrown out there, but here's the false prophet that Jesus is addressing here. The false prophet will not be someone who rejects God. He will not be someone who rejects even Jesus himself. He is a a wolf dressed as a sheep. It will look and sound like everything he is saying is true. It will look and sound like the words and the exhortation and the challenges and all of those things are from the Lord himself and in line with the scriptures. He'll be more subtle. It's a subtle teaching that just drifts away. But how are we to know what this looks like? Well, one of the ways that we can know this is he will appeal to the temptations of our own hearts. The false prophet is not going to lead us to the narrow path, but he's going to lead us away from the narrow path and point us to the wide path. And we know in our hearts, Jesus knowing us as well, that the wide path is what we desire. This idea that whatever we would want, and so whatever that might be, by the way, some of those things, especially in this culture, will seem and sound Christian, seem and sound as if they're in sync with the word of God, but they will lead us away from the way of Jesus. See, we know the truth. If you've been with us through this sermon series, I'm gonna trust that in some way you've heard the truth, you know what Jesus has said, you know what Jesus has taught. Jesus, as he's saying these words and warning the disciples, he understands, I've had your attention for all this time, and now I'm saying to you, you know this and beware of it. And you know it enough to know that if someone else came up to you and said something radically different or totally different, you would reject it. But see, our sinful hearts, this is what our hearts do. We take the truth that we know. We take what Jesus has taught us. We take what we have learned. And then our hearts, our sinful, broken hearts that have desires of their own, the flesh that tempts us, the things that we want to protect, and we take those two things that we know is true and the things that we, in some senses, want, and we merge them together. And we try to figure out how we can reconcile those. That is the wide path. It's not some place where we're totally rejecting all that God would say. We're not rejecting 
heretical things. We're not saying that Jesus isn't God himself. We're not saying that God isn't sovereign. We're not saying those things. That's not what the false teacher comes and says. He takes the desires of your heart and he takes the truth that we know and he tempts us to believe this can be reconciled in some way. And he leads us to the wide path. The false prophet is standing outside the gate and saying to us, listen to whatever your heart says. Listen to what you're being told and what you're hearing in your own kind of desires over listening to the words that Jesus has just spoken. I go back to the first of this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That is who is the citizen of the kingdom of God. And a poverty of spirit, is that what the false teacher promotes? No, the false teacher promotes pride and strength and power not a humility, just one example, but we try to merge those. And so we need to take this warning seriously because we know I can confess to you how often that happens in my own life. Something I desire, something that I think would be worthwhile, and I think, if there's, is there a way here? That's how subtle our enemy is. Now, as we look at this and try to understand these false teachers, and Jesus gives us this warning, and he gives us this warning because he wants us to be aware He says, you will recognize them in verse 16. You will recognize them by their fruits. And so we know through this illustration of fruits that Jesus isn't just saying, beware that there are false teachers, false prophets, but there is a way to recognize them. And as we think about that, throughout church history, there has been a little bit of some differences or there's been two schools of thoughts in a sense of what Jesus is saying here. Some people are interpreting this or would look at this and they might say to themselves that the false teacher are people who teach the wrong things, who just their teaching is wrong. They might look holy, they may even possess sort of a a picture of Christ in their life, but what they teach is false, goes is counter to the word of God. Others might say and believe that Jesus, what he's addressing here is people who do not live out the gospel, who they may say all of the right things, they may teach the right things even, but the way they live isn't reflective of the teaching. We would call those hypocrites. And so is it, is Jesus, when he's talking about the false prophets, is he talking about the man who says the right thing but doesn't do the right things? Or is he talking about someone who looks and acts in a certain way but never doesn't teach the right things? He's addressing, I believe, he's looking at both of these. It's probably some combination of both. Because if we take all that Jesus has said, all that he has taught us, and we think about a false teacher, someone who would lead us astray from that, the teaching is going to influence the activity, the life. There's going to be a picture displayed of what the teacher teaches. You can't say one thing and live another way forever. You can maybe make that happen for a little while. You're not going to be able to make that last. I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you've tried to sort of put on a charade or sort of put on a a face hey, I'll just kind of fake it till I make it. And you know you can do that for about three days and then it's over and your face just reveals the reality of your thoughts when you really think about the situation. This is what Jesus is dealing with. This is, there's a, it is a both taking God at his word and trusting the word of God fully, but also a way of life. And so how are we to know? What do we look for? You will recognize them by their fruits. And Jesus gives us this illustration. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? 
What he's saying there is that the teaching, what is said, what is lived out, the way of life is going to be reflective of the root of the plant itself. We're surrounded by beautiful vineyards right now, and we are looking forward to probably here in just a few weeks. We expect to see some sprouts, some, some buds of grapes that will come on the vines. We would be, you would, if I told you that we are expecting to see apples on our vineyard, you would look at me a little bit weird. You would think, I don't think he understands what's going on here. We shouldn't expect to see apples grown at a vineyard. We're going to look for grapes. In the same way, Jesus says, grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes. If we go to thorn bushes, if we look at a thorn bush, we're not going to expect we would be wrong. We would just be unwise. You would think you're a little bit silly if I said, I expect to see grapes found there or figs from thistles. There's an inconsistency there. Keeping in mind, What Jesus is guarding us against is the narrow path versus the wide path. He's trying to help us enter through the narrow path, help us to stay on the narrow path. And because the false teacher looks like a sheep, he's not blatantly denying the gospel. He's coming even, as 2 Peter would say, into the church as the church is unaware They say the right things. They seem to even do the right things, but we must look at the fruit. What is the fruit? Wrong teaching and wrong life will lead away from Jesus. That is what will happen. The fruit will manifest itself. As we think of this, as I described earlier, If I invited a preacher to come in, if Pastor Kyle last weekend standing here behind this pulpit started to preach things where he said that Jesus wasn't really the son of God or if he denied attributes of God or various things, all of you would know that. You would have just stood up and walked out and you said, to heck with you, Kyle. That's what would have happened. You would have known that. But in the subtlety of what Jesus is saying here, the subtlety of the false teacher, we have to look at what is not said. See, more often than not, it's not what is said because we would understand if that was something really blatant. But as more often, the wolf leaves out some of the vital details. It takes more diligence to look closely at a person's life and not just what they say, but what they don't say often. See, the most dangerous man isn't the one who says all the wrong things. That's clearly easy to identify. The most dangerous man is the one who says all the right things but leaves out or doesn't emphasize the things that lead to the narrow path, that lead to the fruit of the gospel. He has nothing that says, this way will be hard. This way is counter to all of your desires. Nothing he says is a stumbling block as we go and follow Jesus in the right direction. The message of the false teacher is the comforting message. Makes you feel good, but it doesn't ultimately point you to life. Just think for a moment what this might look like. If we think about the narrow path versus the wide path, and what that teaching might look like and contrast it to what Jesus is teaching us here, what he's taught us through this sermon, The narrow way, he says, look in verse 13, excuse me, 14. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. The way is hard that leads to life. The wide path is easy. 
See, the false prophet is one who says all the right things, but his teaching and the life that he leads you to is the easy life, the life where you get everything you want. Every desire of your sinful heart is accomplished. You're never having to face the challenge and the hardship of life. See, Jesus, when he introduced us to the kingdom of God and he called us into citizenship, he described through the Beatitudes a lowliness of heart, an emptiness, a humility, himself as a picture of that. And he says, as you come into my kingdom, this is what we look like. This is what citizens of God's kingdom look like. And guess what? Every single one of those descriptors was a life that is hard. Jesus did not promise us the easy life. The false teachers offer us the easy life, the life where we're always the victor and never facing shame or hardship or pain or suffering. That is not the way of Christ. The narrow path is hard. And I wish I could tell you otherwise, but following Jesus is challenging. Following Jesus requires us to model what Jesus has modeled for us, a laying down of our lives. Do you think that is easy? I confess to you that laying down my life is not easy. Laying down my life is hard. And we all are called to follow that way. The narrow way is hard. There's going to be conviction felt. The false teacher doesn't ever preach anything that convicts us. There's, no one, there's not a teaching that calls us to deny ourselves or to suffer in this world. The, 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 the narrow path is a path of humility, and it's ultimately a way that can only be found and followed if we're pursuing Jesus as our ultimate treasure. So often in this life, what the false teacher offers us is something, again, that we desire today that Jesus would say, that is not the way. That is not the way to life. That is not the hope that I have came to give you. And we have to wait on Jesus. Anybody ever had to wait for something? You have something in your mind that you desire, that you're hoping for, and you're called to wait for that? Every single believer in Christ today is waiting for the day that Jesus will return and make all things new. And we're waiting and we're hoping And the false teacher, Jesus warns, comes and offers us the wide path that says, you don't have to wait. You don't have to do any of that. Just do what, uh, you can have whatever your heart desires. The narrow path is hard. The wide path speaks nothing of our sinfulness and never calls us to a personal holiness. The wide path speaks nothing of God's wrath against sin and never calls us into repentance because those would be hard things. There's no denial of self taught by the false teacher. But the narrow path, in contrast, it tells us that we must reject our flesh and pursue Jesus, that we must put to death our sinful desires. The narrow path tells us that there is a holiness that matters to God, that we are to strive towards, a reflection of Jesus, the Christ-likeness. Again, if I or another teacher said to you, said something excuse me, if I have ever said something or another teacher has said something that brings conviction, that causes a little stirring in your soul, causes you to think maybe I don't know it all, maybe I'm not always right, calls you to humble yourself and confess to another brother or sister that there's some sin in your life, 
That's a good thing. That's life on the narrow path. And by the way, I've told you this many times, there's never been one thing that I have preached that didn't convict me first, didn't challenge me first, didn't call me and cause me to say, I've got to lay down my life in some way. That's a good thing. The false teacher tells you exactly what you want to hear and makes you think that Jesus would say the exact same thing. The narrow path, though, is hard. And yet, this is the promise that Jesus says. It is the way that leads to life, everlasting life. And this path of life, Jesus promises us here that there is going to be fruit from it. A healthy tree, verse 18, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The fruit of the life is going to be evident to everyone. I've told you many times, if you've been in our church for a little while, a handful of years ago, and really more than that now, I attempted to plant a garden. I had the box built. I had all the soil on top, and I got absolutely nothing of value. Every one of my, every one of my plants was a bad tree, a bad uh, root, bad everything. It was worthless. Now, that was more on me probably than the soil or whatever that was happening there. But it could not, it, it was as if it had no possibility of bearing good fruit. But the good tree cannot help, Jesus says. The good tree, those, the teacher that is leading to the narrow path, that is calling us to the narrow path. Jesus knew there was going to be teachers that would come after him. He's saying to them, this message that I have given you and everyone who follows me that leads you to the narrow path of life, they're going to lead you to a hard way, but there will be fruit there. There will be evidence of fruitfulness. And this is why we read where we began this morning with George leading us in a reading of Galatians chapter five. I'm gonna back up from where we read this morning to 16 and 17 in Galatians chapter five. Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The wide path is all about gratifying the desires of your flesh. And I know most of us are thinking about blatantly sinful things that everyone in the world might recognize as sinful, but that's not the subtle way of the false teacher. The wide path that gratifies the desires of the flesh is all the things that says this is the right thing. I'm, I'm standing up for the right thing. I'm doing the right thing, but it's the wide path because it gratifies the desires of our flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Here's what Paul is saying and how we apply this to what Jesus is saying. Those of us who have put our faith in Christ, we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit pushes back against the flesh, challenges the desires of the flesh. It points us, the Holy Spirit leads us to that narrow path, that narrow way. And if we see the fruit, if we, if we have the fruit of the Spirit, or excuse me, if we have the Holy Spirit of God leading and guiding us and informing us and directing us, here's the promise that George read for us. We will have fruit because we are seated in the roots of the Holy Spirit, fruit will spring forth, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness. Against such things there is no law. This is the fruit that will be evidence. Jesus is saying the false teacher doesn't possess these things. The false teacher doesn't lead us into life in the Spirit 
doesn't lead us to a life of love, doesn't lead us to a life of peace, doesn't lead us to a life of patience and goodness and faithfulness. That's not the results that are the tangible evidence of the false teacher's life and the teaching that he offers. No, that is only offered by the teacher bearing the fruit of the Spirit. I take just the three middle ones there just as an example, patience, kindness, and goodness. Marriage, I have often reflected upon, is one of the greatest gifts to us where we see the gospel at work We sort of see the gospel in play in our lives because it requires us to lay down our lives. It requires those things. And I can tell you that as I look at my wife so often and I think of the fruit of the Spirit, patience, kindness, and goodness, and there's something that confronts the desires of my heart, what I would want to see happen, and I have to say to myself, die to yourself. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That doesn't come natural. That doesn't, that's not something that just I possess on my own. No, that's a fruit. That's a result of walking with Jesus, of the Holy Spirit of God upon my life. If there's any good thing, we so often sing this, it's the goodness of Christ that bubbles up in us. And so as we consider the teachers that we listen to, and in this day and age, I have to imagine that Jesus, not bound by time, when he was preaching this sermon, he was considering the culture today where there was a teacher for everything that you might want to hear. Whatever desire you have in your heart right now, whatever sinful thing that you might say, I wanna just fill in the blank with this. I don't care what it is, I could find you a teacher that would affirm those things and make you think that Jesus affirms those. I'll give you a podcast, you could find it. You can listen to anyone and everyone. And Jesus is saying, beware. Beware of those people that lead you to satisfy the desires of your heart and lead you away from the narrow path of walking with me, which is a life of hardship that requires love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Does your life require those things? Is it required of you? In order for you to make it through the day, do you have to bear that fruit? Do you have to lean on the fruit that is only given to us by the Holy Spirit? If not, Jesus would be warning us that we might be walking upon the wide path rather than the narrow path. We might be listening to teachers who lead us to the wide path rather than calling us to confront those sinful desires, those things that we want to have. So let me close by giving you three tests as we think about the fruit and who we would listen to and being aware that there are false teachers who would lead us astray, there are things, there are people in the world that want us to not follow sufficiently the word of God. The first is a false teacher will rarely teach the full counsel of God. False teacher will pick and choose which texts from the word of God they would like to lean on. This is why here at this church, we teach the full counsel of God. We say that the authority of this church rests in the word of God. 
that we trust in the sufficiency of this word, that everything that God says is enough, whatever we might need to know about God, he has told us in his word. This is why we go back and forth generally between Old and New Testament. This is why we teach and preach expository sermons where we work our way through the text rather than picking and choosing and saying, I wanna talk about this subject or that subject. Sometimes many of you have come up and said, hey, pastor, are you ever gonna teach on this or I'd be curious about this? And my answer, if you might remember those conversations, is yeah, when we get there in the text. Whenever we get there, I'm not gonna pick and choose. Now, we looked at this series, the Sermon on the Mount series about a year ago and prayed and asked the Lord where we might go as a church and landed on teaching from this, this text because we felt that it was vital as a church that we grow in our understanding of what it means to be citizens of the kingdom of God versus citizens of this life and this world. But all in all, we teach the full counsel of God. I can tell you that more than likely in the fall, just look forward, we're gonna go to the Old Testament. We're gonna go back and forth. False teachers don't often do that. They pick and choose. They simply, I want to focus on this area or that. Second, false teachers rarely cause us to look more to Jesus versus looking at ourselves. Or if I said that in reverse, so often a false teacher will, if we are listening to false teachers, we will look more at ourselves than we look to Jesus. Jesus, everything he says Every word he ever spoke in some way was a denial of self, was a laying down of your life. And he said, if I laid down my life and I'm the master, would I not require, would you as the followers not also be called to lay down your life? Jesus' teaching, the narrow path, calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Take it up. And third, false teacher is not going to typically have a life of personal and public holiness that reflects application of the gospel to their whole life. The narrow path calls us to live lives of personal and public holiness that reflects that we are following Jesus. Again, do we see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, self-control. Do we see those things in the people that we listen to? And obviously I think of, and you may be thinking of when we're talking in the context of false teachers as someone who preaches behind a pulpit or preaches via a podcast or something like that. But very often these can just be the influencers in our life. Those people that claim to be the wise counselors in our life. They can come in various forms, but we need to ask ourselves, do they lead us to lives of personal holiness? We're going to look more and more like Jesus if we're walking the narrow path of Jesus. That is what he's saying. Jesus closed in verse 20 and a reminder to us all. Beware of the false prophets in verse 15. Verse 20, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will recognize them. There will be fruit that you can see is pointing you away from the way of Jesus, away from the narrow path, the life of self-denial, of following Jesus faithfully. And when we hear that, when we sense that, we need to repel against that. We need to push back against that. We need to take Jesus at his word and beware. Let us pray and ask God for his help to do so. Lord Jesus, we need your help. 
apart from you, apart from the gift of your Holy Spirit, I have, I have no hope. So help us. Help us to rely on your word and to know you in such a way that we can see those who might lead us astray. And I pray this morning for every brother and sister in this room that we might renew ourselves, sort of recommit our lives once again to following you, Jesus, along the narrow path that leads to life. We know that it's going to be hard, and so we ask for your help. We plead with you, comfort us, Give us the grace that we need to make it through each day. But protect us. Guard our hearts. Keep us from turning away and satisfying the desires of our hearts. We need your help. So guide us, Jesus. I pray that you would help me as a teacher of your word. Help me to be faithful, Jesus. I am not immune to the temptations of the flesh. So I pray that you would give me, grant me, by the gift of your spirit, wisdom to open up your word for these dear saints that you love that gather at this place called City Church. Thank you that we can rely on your faithfulness, Jesus, even when we struggle, when we stumble, when we mess up. I thank you that you have the power to take every stupid thing I say and remove it from the memories of these people and leave only your truth. That's an amazing comfort to me, Jesus. We want to follow you. We want to be a people who take up our cross and live as you would live. Fill us now, Spirit, with love, with joy, with peace, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with faithfulness, with gentleness, with self-control. Help us to bear the fruit of your love for us, Jesus. We pray all these things in your mighty name. Thanks for listening to the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. at 2300 Vineyard Hill Lane, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.